Nurse.com is proud to be a sponsor of the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. As the premier destination for nursing knowledge and resources, Nurse.com supports your passion for healthcare with an unrivaled collection of tools, articles, and courses tailored for the nursing community. Get your daily dose of things you need to know for your nursing journey. Discover the world of nursing like never before with Nurse.com. Empower your practice, advance your career, and enrich your knowledge. Nurse.com. It's your nurse life all in one place. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist and family nurse practitioner. And on today's episode, I just wanted to um, normalize some feelings that I think you might be feeling, because I know I'm feeling them, and that's around the feeling of being tired. And I don't mean just like, oh, I'm sleepy, I need to take a nap, tired, and that's tired, but just tired, like tired from these last several months have been relentless with the amount of care, consistency of care, quality of care, and amount of care that we as nurses and other healthcare providers have had to apply at the bedside in the clinics 24-7 365 days, more than that, because we're like 18, 19 months into a world pandemic. And guys, don't feel bad or feel like you can't say that you're tired. It's okay to say that. What you're feeling is called compassion fatigue. Yes, there is a name for it. Compassion fatigue is the physical, emotional, and spiritual result of chronic self-sacrifice and or prolonged exposure to difficult situations that involve empathy for others. It's a crossroads of burnout and secondary trauma that many of us first responders are experiencing during this COVID crisis. I mean, we are literally overwhelmed from helping others. Now, that's not to say that we don't like helping others, that we don't enjoy helping others. I mean, that's why many of us went into this profession because that's what we do. We are selfless in that aspect. However, the return of on investment, I mean, I don't know that it's really matching up. I know I know that we do this because we're passionate about it. And yes, there's a paycheck tied to it. But for many of us, the, the amount that we are investing of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, our time, our sacrifices to take care of others is daunting. It's getting daunting because I don't know about you all, but I know folks that I know, many people are working more than their regular full-time hours. And it's not just because they want to, but because there's a need, because there's a demand. I mean, if you remember last year this time, I mean, our ERs, our ICUs, like our, all of our inpatient areas were overwhelmed. We were turning like cafeterias and, you know, break rooms and conference rooms into patient care rooms. We were pitching tents in parking lots and making makeshift hospitals for people because we just didn't have the space. I mean, we were ripping and running and many of us not even able to go home when we want to go home because there's no one coming. There was no one coming and there were patients there. So it's been definitely a very rough road traveled. And at this point, I wanted to just acknowledge what you are feeling and say that it's okay to say that you feel this way. I mean, don't feel bad about it. I mean, the last thing that we're as nurses are doing or complaining, we're not complaining that we're nurses. We love being nurses. That's why we wanted to become nurses. But come on, y'all. We are 18, 19 months into a pandemic and we are still going strong, okay? 
This was not a sprint. This is a marathon, it seems to be. And, you know, one of the things I also have to say is another reason why we're feeling fatigued, compassion fatigued, and just like the name implies, we're getting tired of having to exude so much compassion. I mean, many of us are feeling helpless, hopeless, and powerless. I mean, add on to that, some of us are feeling irritable, angry, sad, or even numb. And there's, for a handful of us, a sense of detachment or having decreased pleasure in our regular activities. And we ruminate and we feel anger towards the events and people causing this suffering. So we are now September 2021. This is not September 2020. Okay, let's get that right. We are a year later, okay? 2021, things are different. And different in the sense that, yes, the pandemic, you know, we thought it was in our review mirror and then it started, you know, it's creeping back up there. We're trending back into a direction that we don't want to. But much of that has to do around this vaccine, COVID vaccine, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. Something that's different from last year is that we now have a vaccine that can help prevent illness, severe illness, hospitalization, and death. So that's something that's helped pivot the COVID pandemic. And for a while, we, you know, we were, we were, we were looking pretty good. We were looking pretty good as a nation. Our, our hospitalization rates, our death rates started going down. We started opening up the economy. We know we recently gotten getting kids back to school. People are going back to their work and no longer just doing this distance or just on the computer. But we still have very far to go when it comes to herd immunity. As of this recording, which is early September 2021, we are less than 74% of people with at least one vaccine, right? But less than 52% of those who are fully vaccinated. So we're far from herd immunity. I'm glad to see that, you know, more people have gotten at least one vaccine. But guys, we still have a lot more to go. And, you know, you think about all the people who are not even eligible for it. We have 43 million children under the age of 12 who are not even eligible for a vaccine yet. And so, you know, and we're starting to see more cases of kids come in. So, I mean, that has got to be pissing up a couple people off too, because the kids are, you know, they're helpless in this. You know, we as adults need to do our due diligence and protect people. And I think that's part of what makes us so mad and upset and contributes to this compassion fatigue. I mean, as I said, we are getting frustrated and starting to be get angry at the people and the events that are contributing to this and that are not helping us get out of this hole that we have dug ourselves into. And so I know it's my body, my choice and all of those things, but when your choice impacts the health, wellness and safety of others, I got a little bit of issue of that. I got a little bit of issue. Listen, this wasn't a podcast to, you know, finger wave those who didn't get vaccinated, but come on y'all. Come on, y'all. I mean, we have know that vaccines have been proven to prevent the severity and illness of COVID and it's decreasing the amount of deaths. We need more people to get vaccinated to protect people. I mean, I am, I'm at the front lines. I'm in the ER and the ICU still, but then I also have assisted at a COVID testing site before. And I'm seeing, I've seen these, I've seen how this goes, okay? One member, if the adults of the family don't want to get vaccinated, then generally no one in the family is vaccinated. And then what happens is one person gets ill and then next thing you know, all seven, eight members of the family are ill. 
right? And not everyone's going to do well. Not everyone's going to do well. Hopefully they do, but still, even those that do, do do well and they survive, there's still the whole deal of long COVID and what's that going to do? So, you know, it's something that frankly is just pissing many of us off, especially when we're in the, on the front lines and we're seeing the same picture of a patient come in. And this is not to stereotype, but the classic symptoms of someone who has COVID, unvaccinated, they traveled, started to have a couple symptoms, waited for like a week, tried to self-treat with some over-the-counters and whatever they could buy at home. You know, all those things, those myths and stuff that they say can cure COVID, which none of it is true anyways. They come in, even buying hydrochloroquine, which is not an FDA-approved treatment for COVID. But anyways, they find whatever they can on the internet. They try, they self-treat. Then they finally come in. They're like, I can't breathe. I have chest pain and the chest positive for COVID. Oh, and I'm not vaccinated. You know, give me what you can. Help me. Save my life. And it's just like, this is one of the most frustrating moments when they're satting at 82% with a face mask on, short of breath, at rest. And they're just like, help me. And although that may not be the moment to say something because it's not going to help anyone. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, there was a free vaccine that you could have taken. You could get it at the grocery store, some churches, some barber shops. I mean, like they're giving these vaccines away for free. And you could have had one. You could have prevented this. You could have prevented yourself getting this sick, this air hungry in the emergency room. But all because you didn't want to take what you said was a non-FDA approved vaccine, which, by the way, Pfizer is fully FDA approved for 16 and up when it comes to the COVID vaccine. Uh, Just so you know, the emergency use authorization for 12 through 15 still exists, but I imagine that'll change shortly. Then I'm pretty sure Moderna and Johnson & Johnson will have their full FDA approvals not too much longer in the future. But Needless to say, you didn't want to be a guinea pig. So you didn't get the vaccine. Now you're in my ER. Now you can't breathe and I'm going to treat you. But the only thing that I have that is FDA approved and it's only going to help you just a little bit. And we haven't given much of it to know that it really works, but it's all we got is remdesivir. And, you know, we'll give you some other stuff, but there's nothing really proven to show that it'll help. And they're just like, give me everything, anything you got. But just a couple weeks ago, you wouldn't take the vaccine, but now you're willing to take anything. And it's just a very frustrating story. It's a very frustrating story. And I know there are gonna be some nurses and some healthcare providers who don't agree or who don't have this perspective. There's about 25% of uh, healthcare workers who have not yet to get the vaccine. Although I'll say, I think that's mostly nurses. A majority of physicians actually have gotten their COVID vaccines. You could draw some, some speculation as to why that is. I think it's a very high number of nearly, um, I think it's like 85% of physicians have received their COVID vaccine. And some could speculate that that's because physicians understand the research. No shade, no diss towards my nurses, but we all know what evidence-based practice is. We all know what research is, but do we really understand it? Do we really read it? I do. I'm a clinical nurse specialist. And I mean, not that you have to be a clinical nurse specialist to do that, but that's a very integral role of the CNS role to be very astute and familiar and conduct research to really understand what all those values mean. And so, and how to scrutinize studies and things like that. So when different studies pop up all over the place and not to mention, I'm an NBC LA medical contributor. So I stay very on top of 
new research, new data that comes along the lines from, you know, these different studies across the across the world from FDA, CDC and all that. I'm reading that stuff. Like I read it like every day. It's like my um, I don't know. It's just something that I read every day. I know it's kind of quirky, but I do. And so I feel comfortable with the data. And if I need to remind people, I too was vaccine hesitant when I was first offered the vaccine in December. I declined. I didn't get my vaccine until March. Um, so it was three months that I was like, Mm-mm, I don't know, I don't know. But it's because I didn't understand the data. I didn't really know the numbers, the you know what we were looking at, what the data showed, how these vaccines worked truly because we all keep saying oh it increases antibodies but it does more than that guys you you do know that right there's an entire immune response with our b and t cells and all of those things creating the cells to help attack the virus to help identify the virus to help the cells that create the antibodies and cells that help remember what the virus looks like should we get invaded again so there's this whole immune response antibodies are just very are one aspect of it that's easy to measure so I know that's what's in the news and that's what we talk a lot about, but there's a lot more to this immune response that's important that vaccines can help to create and prepare our body for. So if we are ever exposed to COVID, we can really mount an immune response to help ward off any severe illness. You know, no one's saying that vaccines are 100% at preventing COVID infection. That's never been said, never been the case. It's been, if you're gonna use the word 100%, 100%, close to 100% at preventing severe illness, hospitalization, and death. That is a whole reason for getting the vaccine for not dying. But I digress. I didn't want this to really go in the vaccine direction, but it's rooted in it because this is where a lot of our compassion fatigue comes around. So what are you feeling? I know what I'm feeling. I know what my colleagues are feeling. We're feeling exhausted physically and psychologically. We are feeling hopeless, helpless, and powerless. We're also feeling irritable, angry, sad, or numb. Like I said, a sense of detachment from things that once brought us pleasure. We're, you know, feeling angry towards the events and people that are causing this. Some of us might be blaming ourselves and having thoughts of not having done enough to help the people who are suffering. There's also maybe a, a decreased sense of personal or professional accomplishment because yes, we're nurses, we're on the front line, we're we're doing everything we can, but you know, we went from heroes to something else in the last couple weeks. I mean we were getting like the free McDonald's, Jack in the Box and whatever you and I'm not saying that we deserve all these free things or we need all these free things. Hey, they were nice, right? But now some people are actually angry with us as healthcare professionals. And I don't understand why. I'm not getting it. Listen, I didn't create this virus. I'm just really trying to help facilitate care and I want to see people well. But some people are actually angry with us saying, you know, especially someone like myself who I'm I do believe the vaccine helps and I want to encourage people to get it, but then people get mad at me and they're calling me crazy and then it's all personal attacks because I've encouraged people to get the vaccine. Like, how'd I go from a hero to now you're just attacking me? Like that hurts a little bit. I have to be honest, it does. So there's that definitely a sense of decreased professional accomplishment. And then also being faced with so much death, death, dying, illness, and even for the people who survive COVID, I have had people who've survived COVID. And I remember the first time I got a patient like this, they were a patient who had COVID, was now tricked on the ventilator, but couldn't move his arms and legs. And I said, did he have a stroke? Did something else happen? Like I, the person could look at me and track and speak in short sentences. You know, they were tricked as much as they could with the trach, but had no, like the movement, muscle strength gone. Sensation totally changed and different. 
And it was like, whoa, the immune system has turned around and attacked the nervous system and it's created all these problems. And now this is someone who's going to be ventilator dependent for the rest of their life. Young guy, 32 years old, man. So it's definitely caused me to change my perspective on spirituality, the world, the things that I value, appreciate, like how I prioritize my day, like even when I'm leaving for work, making sure that I tell my kids I love you and really making the most of the time that I have with people who are special to me. And so it's like every moment is almost like a dramatic moment for me now. Like I'm leaving, like I'm leaving, the kids are leaving to go to school. I'm like, oh my gosh, bye, I love you, make good choices. I'll see you later, love you again. Like, cause you know, cause you never know. You never know. I mean, even before the pandemic, you never knew when it was your time. But now with COVID, it's like, it makes you even appreciate it even more because some of these people never got to say goodbye to their loved ones. They didn't get to be there to hold their hands or, you know, when they passed, many people were alone. And I do not want that for myself or anyone in my family or anyone that I know. I would never wish that on anyone. And all of these feelings are like, I'm feeling this mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and it's starting to manifest physically. Like it's interrupted my sleep, sometimes my appetite. I've been nauseous and dizzy and just like, just not feeling my best self. And I can feel it manifest physically. Now, I'm not saying that I packed on pounds or anything like that, but it's definitely changed like some of my quality of sleep and just my energy level and a lot of other things. So, I mean, are you all having compassion fatigue? Is it just me? I mean, like, what are you guys seeing? What are you guys hearing? And how are you guys handling it on your unit? I wish I had the answer to to fix this i wish there was like a pill that we could take to make this thing go away there's not it's just something that we have to sift through and sort through and when i started this podcast this particular episode i just wanted to talk about compassion fatigue and let people know like hey if you're feeling this you are not alone do not feel guilty do not feel shame don't feel like you can't say anything to anyone because i think we as healthcare professionals don't want to say that we experience these things because we don't want our patients to feel uncomfortable because we're supposed to care so it's almost like you might feel like you're complaining and you are not complaining you are not you are being a human you are not only a nurse or a doctor or a respiratory therapist or a healthcare provider but you're a consumer of health too okay and even still in our professional roles we have to make sure that we take care of ourselves so we can take care of our patients, right? It's like when the air mask falls down from the sky and the, you're in the airplane, you're supposed to put your mask on first and then help someone else put on their mask. So that's what we need to do. So some tips that I have that could help us with compassion fatigue, if this is someone that you know, or maybe yourself, finding a balance between your professional and personal life and taking time off when you can. That's something that's gonna be very important to do. Also, try following some self-care routines like get enough sleep, choose healthy food, exercise regularly, and nurture your social relationships. Try avoiding information overload and paying attention to how stressful or traumatic information affects you. Now, one of the things that I've learned to do is turn off the television. Because when the television's on and I can hear all of these stats and these numbers, it was like when the pandemic first, like when everything shut down and then everyone was glued to their television and we were watching these numbers rise as far as like the death toll. Like that was very traumatic. This could be happening at home and it could be happening at work. Like, I don't know, different employers might have ways on how they count their COVID cases and COVID related deaths and those related incidents, but maybe you just don't need to watch that tracker so much, okay? Turn off the stressful and traumatic information to you. That information overload, give it a break. 
When you are not at work, turn it off. Turn it off. Also, try identifying your priorities and engaging in activities that make you feel rejuvenated or replenish you or fill your cup up. Those are the things that you really should be engaged in as much as possible, especially when you are not at work. When you are not at work, it should be all be all about you, your family, things that you enjoy, and those type of things. Also, practice gratitude and being in present in the moment. So that's something that I've definitely do more of before I start my day and then at the end of my day. Just, be, just being thankful. Thankful for the things, the little things too. The little things, the things that money can't buy. Also, understand that suffering and pain are a part of the collective human experience and that you don't always have control over your feelings. So when things are going on at work, I know we try to bottle it in and just get through our shift and get things done, but understand you're human. So if you need to step away and cry, step away and cry, okay? And talk to someone about how you're feeling and what you're feeling. If your employer has a crisis team for you to talk to or employee health services that offer counseling, or perhaps you can get counseling other ways through your doctor or you know online services, talk to someone about what you're feeling. And focus on the areas that you do have control over, including your thoughts and feelings rather than setting unrealistic expectations about changing things that might be on our controls. Listen, guys, there is so much I would like to change, but a lot of it is beyond my control. I can only do what I can do. And I think that's that's the part that keeps me sane. So when I'm overwhelmed at work, I'll just say I can only do what I can do and do my best. Okay. And again, seeking professional help, especially if you need it now. I know that we're talking about getting professional help now because you're already feeling compassion fatigue and by all means get started now. But one of the things I'm hoping that will continue even after you've worked through your compassion fatigue is that you keep that going. I think that's one of the things that we really don't do the best job at and that's taking care of our mental health. Now we'll go to an annual physical. We'll get our annual screenings and all those type of things. But where do we go for our annual mental health checkup? Why don't we have mental wellness prevention things that we do, right? So I think therapy is the greatest thing ever. I actually do online therapy. So my therapist um, is very accessible. I don't have to drive anywhere. It's online. It's like through a Zoom. And so I'm able to talk to someone periodically, at least once a week. I was doing it once a week, sometimes more than once a week when things were really, really heavy during COVID. But I've learned to do some of these other tips that I provided you and have gotten better at managing my feelings, journaling, and handling this compassion fatigue and finding outlets. But for a while, I just really needed to talk to someone who could understand what I was going through and what I was seeing because some of the things that I was seeing, some of the situations I had been put in, some of the things that I had heard, it just was like, you never want to have to talk about those things again. Like there were things that just happened because I don't know about you guys, but especially when COVID was at, was at its peak, there were things that were going on in the unit that weren't necessarily how we really do things. It was like sink or swim, survival mode. We just made shit happen. Okay, order or not order, we were just trying to save lives. I just really needed to talk through those things and remind myself that, you know, I did the best that I could do, even though we couldn't save everyone, that I did my best. And there were times where I bust my butt on taking care of someone, like everything. Their, you know, their ventilator, their suctioning, their proning, their drips like everything 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 and they still didn't make it 
Now that was not, was not necessarily a reflection of the type of care that I provided. It would just spoke to how severe and far gone the COVID illness was. And so I had to forgive myself because I felt a little bit guilty as if I thought that if I did everything I was supposed to do, that I could save them. And I couldn't. There are just some things that are beyond our control. And that contributed a lot to compassion fatigue. I mean, hey, as ICU ER nurses, we pride ourselves on, you know, coming in and saving the day, saving life. And, you know, but when you have otherwise healthy people come in who have COVID and nothing else, you know, you're thinking, oh, they should do well. They're, you know, they're otherwise healthy, unvaccinated. COVID-related deaths now are 99% of the deaths we see, COVID deaths we see in the hospital. 99% of those people admitted with COVID, unvaccinated. Guys, we've, we've got to do better. And I think some of also what's the compassion fatigue is people who are just so anti-vax. And we're seeing the stories, all these anti-vaxxers, you know, gets COVID, is remorseful of decision and dies a week later. Like, I don't want to see those stories. I don't want to see those stories. And I don't want to tell anybody told you so. And so I just think we all need to do better. We all need to get vaccinated. Listen, whether it's Pfizer, whether it's Moderna, whether it's Johnson & Johnson, let's all do our part, get vaccinated. And I know many of y'all are salty and upset that employers are starting to make vaccines mandated. But listen, those aren't the first time vaccines were mandated. So just get over it. Hepatitis B, Tdap, influenza, you know, there's to ensure the safety of this patients, to ensure that the nurses don't spread COVID or contract COVID as employees first, protecting employees first, and then protecting the patients as well. And by the way, you can be an employee and a patient. Don't think you can't. But, you know, hospitals have, and not just hospitals, clinics and other places, employers have decided that they want to mandate vaccines. And now that Pfizer and shortly soon the other ones will be, are FDA approved, I anticipate there'll be more mandates. So, you know, I'm, don't be mad. Charge it to the game. This is a requirement to ensure the safety of those who are providing care as well as who are receiving care. But some of the compassion fatigue that some of us are feeling is that we're working alongside people who also are not vaccinated, taking care of people who are not vaccinated and they're getting sick when it's something that could have been done with it. And that's very, very distressful. No one wants to call and tell a wife that her unvaccinated husband died right when it largely could have been prevented had the person got a vaccine but again the focus here is compassion fatigue many of us are feeling it i'm not wagging a finger at anyone who's unvaccinated right now i'm just going to plead with you to please review the literature research look at the numbers the numbers are not lying we see who's dying i want my, not only the patients but my colleagues to be protected in this fight against COVID. And I really want us to unite. But as we do this, you know, we're, we're all in this together. We got to take care of ourselves. And one of the things that we're going to make sure we have to do is take care of ourselves, especially when it comes to compassion fatigue. You're not alone. You're not weird. Don't feel guilty about these feelings. Know that it's real. Know that there's a reason why you feel that way. And I gave some tips on things that you can do to manage it. So I'm hoping that that helps. Um, you guys, there's some other tips on nurse.org around compassion fatigue and other things to do to, you know, help us take better care of ourselves as providers. Make sure you visit the website at nurse.org. Also follow them on social media. And guys, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with a friend. Uh, sharing is caring. Uh, and also make sure to subscribe, rate, review. We'll love to know what you think about the podcast. Want to hear more about what you want to hear on the podcast. So you can contact us again at nurse.org. Let us know what you think. And I'm your host, Alice Benjamin. 
It's always my pleasure chatting with you guys. So until next time, make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.